With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Today we are recapping the West Virginia game and talking about a few, uh, I guess, roster and recruiting situations that have cropped up since then. Uh, for those of you guys who have been paying attention on Twitter, you probably have already seen that news, but we'll talk about it here in just a minute. To help me do that, I have my usual recapping cohort, uh, Mike Plank, the editor-in-chief over at Rock Chalk Talk. Mike, how are you doing today? Well, Andy, uh, I am sad. Oh, wait, wait, did I use that one last week? I think I used that one last week. Yes, but I still well, – no, well, it, it would have been the week before. We had the bye week, so plenty of time to recharge <laughs> and you know, allow us to come back and try to do something – a little bit different, but ultimately exactly the same. So yeah, um, I yeah, think it's it, pretty much. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I actually want to go ahead and jump right into the West Virginia game because I think the big story going into the game was the fact that Les Miles was not there um, because of his COVID diagnosis. And even though he was cleared medically to go ahead and travel with the team, he made what, what I'm saying is a smart decision. I'm sure that you agree based off our prior discussions over, over at Rock Chalk Talk that that he made the right decision to go ahead and stay home and to allow Joshua Ergel to be the acting head coach. Whether you thought he was the right person to be the acting head coach or not, honestly, I think it's beside the point for, for this particular conversation. Um, first of all, were you surprised that, that uh, Les Miles decided to stay home? And do you think it had any effect on what the game plan looked like or how the team performed on Saturday? Uh, I guess I'll answer the second question first. I don't think it had any effect on the team or on the outcome or even like on their preparation or anything like that. I, I'm pretty sure Miles was still involved in, you know, video conferences and watching practice and stuff like that. And I, I can't imagine that, that the game plan, you know, didn't have his input. Um, originally I thought Herbal was an interesting choice because typically you see the OC or the DC take that spot. But then even before they said it, when I started thinking about it, I'm like, eh, the OC and the DC probably need to focus on their respective game plans um, right. and let somebody else take that over, which is exactly what KU said was why they picked Joshua Ergel. So, uh, and that, so that made sense to me after I thought about it for a few minutes. Um, yeah, yeah it, I don't think it, it also didn't hurt that he has 
head coaching experience in the past, even though it was at a much lower level. Like he he knows what it takes to be a head coach on game day. He you know he has been in that position before. So even though it's sure. him jumping in last second here, like it's not completely foreign to him. And like you said, like that was my immediate thought was well. Brent Dearman probably needs to focus on trying to find a way to get something successful going on the offense. And, you know, it seemed like DJ Elliott had a pretty good game plan for this, for this defensive game against West Virginia. Um, you know, I would have hate, hated for them to not be as focused as they needed to be going into this game because one of them was trying to worry about how to help the other one do what they need to do. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, and maybe you were going to hit on this later, but yeah, the defense, that was, I mean, honestly, they gave up 38 points, but that was probably their best game of the season. Um, they, you know, they had some pressures and some sacks, and they forced a couple of turnovers. And, um, I mean, and they – I know it's going to sound weird to say, they only gave up 38 points. Um, and, I mean and, – and only 24 of those in the first three quarters. I mean, it was, you know, 24 to 10 going into the fourth quarter. Like, hey, you had a chance throughout the game because of the way the defense played. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't think that Erg will be in there uh, changed anything. Um, uh, you know, other than less miles. And, and yes, I do think he made the right call to, to not go. I think that was a pretty universal what the went on. I think it was Thursday, maybe. He said that he was planning on going. It was Wednesday or Thursday before the game. He said he was planning on making the road trip. And I just wonder if uh, – it seems unlikely, but I just wonder if maybe some of the blowback that KU got on – um, either through the reporters or through um, social media or wherever, if that got back to them, and it's like, yeah, maybe that's not such a good idea. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, it's it's actually kind of funny to kind of jump into the defense because the defense was directly responsible for for two quick uh, quick uh, ends to West Virginia drives. In fact, I don't think it, it was weird because Kansas' first two offensive drives both started in West Virginia territory, one because of a a, a, a turnover on the first drive, and then the second one, they stopped them so deep um, in their own territory, and then the punt essentially got muffed. (laughs) And I believe that there was a penalty involved as well. Um, And so they ended up starting like the 35-yard line in West Virginia for for that second drive there. And so like the only two drives where the offense was successful at all were set up by very, very good performances by that defense and then the defense pretty much shut West Virginia down for a good portion of the of or basically for the next two quarters after those drives and so it was it was definitely interesting to kind of see you know it, it, it was funny because Matt Matt Tate actually tweeted um, you know talking about a long touchdown run and basically the KU football defense was just asked to basically try to do everything that was something that was you know that happened quite a bit during the Charlie Weiss era um, you know, yep. during the very beginning of the David Beatty era, like the defense was the bright spot of the team. And they, they never really got the credit that they were due because they would hold up really well for the first, you know, two and a half, three quarters. And then at that point, everyone was just so exhausted because the offense would go three and out. The offense would do absolutely nothing to help them out. And everybody would be gassed at the end of the game. And then the opposing team would just rip off a whole bunch of points and a whole bunch of yards really fast because the defense didn't have a chance to catch their breath. We saw that like crazy in this game against West Virginia that Letty Brown finally started breaking through and really, you know, getting gigantic chunk plays because the defense was just dog tired. They had absolutely no rest during that game. Um, You know, it it was just, it was absolutely ridiculous. I was super impressed by the defense. Um, Anyone in particular on the defense that really stood out to you that you were really impressed with? Um, 
about the only thing that I can come up with just, you know, just off the top of my head was it was good to see Drew Prox back and looking healthy. I think he was second on the team in tackles with eight. He, he had a sack and a couple of TFLs. Um, so I, he, he had a really good game, and that, that was really nice to see. We've been missing him, I think, a lot the last couple of games. Um, and, and just to kind of piggyback on what you were just talking about, um, you know, in, in regards to the offense not doing their job to, you know, play complimentary football, if you will, um, you know, the, the Kansas had, I think, 16 possessions in the game. Six of those were three and out, and four of those six lost yards. So, I mean, KU had eight total yards in the second half. I mean, and that's just – that's completely unacceptable. I, you know, you, you going into halftime, yeah, did they make adjustments and – or did they not make adjustments in West Virginia? I, I, I don't know what, what they were doing at halftime to where they only got eight yards in the third and fourth quarter combined. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot – it seemed to me to be a lot more of what we've come to expect from this team um, in that the offensive line is absolutely atrocious right now. They're, they're not blocking at all. And, and it's getting compounded by the fact that Miles Kendrick, as much as I was hyping him up at the beginning of the year, thinking that he was the guy that seemed to have the tools, the one thing I didn't count on because I had absolutely no idea, his decision-making is absolutely horrible. Um, there was multiple times where, you know, he, he threw into the middle of three defenders and, like, threw it low and tried to throw a bullet pass to a guy who was behind all three of those defenders, and it got picked or almost picked. Um, I mean, it just seemed like he was constantly making the wrong read, throwing to the wrong location, and not really putting any kind of touch on any of his passes when he needed to. In fact, even the, you know, the one touchdown pass that he threw to Andrew Parchment, you know, he actually underthrew that severely. It bounced right. off the West Virginia player's hands and hit Andrew <laughs> right. Parchment rebound in stride for him to cruise into the, into the end zone. So that was a complete <laughs> luck play for Miles Kendrick there. Yeah. It was a, that was a horrible throw. It should have been picked and gone the other way in fact it probably would have been a pick six just looking at what kind of open field there was for the defender at that point if he had caught it and so you know we went from giving up six points going the other way uh to Andrew Parchment you know getting that that one touchdown there that put Kansas up 10 to nothing so I don't really know what's going on with this offense I'm hoping it's just a case of you know the offensive line really needs some time to to figure out what they're doing and develop these guys because it's a lot of young guys or upperclassmen who don't have a lot of experience. And so like the hope is that they just need more work and that something can start to develop towards the end of the year. But they really need some health in that court in that quarterback room because it's pretty apparent that Miles Kendrick is not the guy. Um, and so you want one of those other guys, whether it's McVitie or uh, Jalen Daniels, to be able to come back and actually play and develop for, you know, next year, because the hope obviously at this point is that you get something, you know, you learn something about who's ready or guys develop or do something. So that way we have an idea of what we can do next year when hopefully we're going to have a, a, a more normal season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that all makes perfect sense. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what else to add to that. Yeah. Yeah. The only other thing that I will add to that is that I'm going to go ahead and apologize to all of, Jayhawk Nation, because I was the one. I wasn't going to say it. I thought about. I, yeah, I thought about asking you, but I wasn't going to. I'm going to call myself out on this because it's one of those things. <laughs> you know, I went at halftime because I, I just recently moved back to Kansas City, and I went at halftime. I was like, you know what? Today's a good day to go get something good to eat. I don't want to make anything. This game is entertaining. I'm really enjoying myself. How can I make this any better? And of course, my thought was, hey, I'm going to go to Raising Cane's and go get. Raising Cane's. 
and it was absolutely delicious. I tweeted a picture that said, you know, Kansas football staying fairly close, and then this for lunch. Not sure how I can imagine a better Saturday right now. And immediately after tweeting that, like within five minutes of real time, <laughs> West Virginia scored, and then they went off on a huge run. So I take, I take full responsibility for sucking up all the good karma into that tweet and keeping Kansas from, <laughs> from you know, remaining competitive in that game. So I, I will take the loss here. Everybody can go ahead and blame me. Um, hopefully <laughs> that will all be gone and they can actually be competitive in this game coming up against Kansas State. Not that I'm actually expecting that to happen, but I'm hoping I can absorb all that bad karma and that KU can go ahead and actually do something to be entertaining this weekend. So, um, yes, I, I am not above calling myself out here. I will say, though, it was absolutely delicious. I will absolutely go back. So um, I just won't tweet about it next time. So hopefully it doesn't, it doesn't hurt the Jayhawks. There you go. <laughs> All right. I do want to talk about some of the other news that's come up. This, this, this is going to be a little bit of a shorter episode tonight. One, because I don't really want to dwell on this game very much. Um, we are going to have a preview episode coming up about the Kansas State game. So we'll get more into that for our Friday episode here. But before we move on to the next topic I wanted to talk about, uh, we do need to take a quick break. So we'll be right back on the Rock Chalk podcast. And we're back. All right. So unfortunately, we move from the bad news of the Kansas football game to the bad news that is both now on and off the field coming up for the rest of the year. The first bit of news being that Puka Williams has decided to opt out for the rest of the season. Um, the reasoning that he gave on Twitter, and I have no reason to not believe him, is that you know his, his mother is dealing with some health issues. He needs to be closer to home. And I absolutely 100% cannot blame him. Um, I am not going to question the motives here because he had an absolutely phenomenal game. He was, you know, he was going to be a star for Kansas, be the lone bright spot. And really the only thing that he could potentially do, like you, you don't want to leave at this point in a season and, you know, give scouts a time to forget you. If you are planning on making a jump to the NFL, um, like you need to give them some highlights to keep them excited. So I don't think this has anything to do with about competitive concerns, and I'm going to push back strongly against anybody on Twitter who tries to decide that he bailed on this team um, for any reason other than what he said, that he's dealing with health issues in the family. So, you know, my, my thoughts are, first, that you definitely always take care of your family. It's a number one priority. Um, but to it, you know, it sucks that we're not going to have him on the field to be that bright spot for the, for the Jayhawks. But, Mike, I, I, I realize I very well may have just stole everything you wanted to say about that, but did you have any other thoughts about that or, or what this potentially means for the Jayhawks, whether it's, you know, Puka himself or the, or the rest of the team? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, that, that basically covers it. I'll try not to rephrase what you just said, but, uh, yeah, first and foremost, you know, you, you, you hope that everything's well with his mom. He, he didn't say what the issue was. You know, we don't know if it's uh, – you know, I'm not even going to speculate. We don't know what it is. Um, right. and, but it's sad enough that he needs to go, you know, be with his family. And that's, like you said, that's completely understandable. Um, but, you know, then there's the other side of the coin too. You know, there's the football side of the coin. And, and uh, yeah, that's a huge loss for Kansas. I mean, he, he's the most talented player Kansas has had since, I mean, Gale Sayers. I, I, I don't know. He, he's, he's just an electric player, um, and, you know, rece- receiving and rushing and, Kick returns, obviously, special teams. I mean, he he can literally do it all. So um, that's true. That's a huge loss for Kansas, and and it's just going to make offense for the Jayhawks that much harder, right? Because uh, you know, it, first four games of the year it was take away Puka and dare him to throw over the top, and they couldn't do that. So and they were able to take away Puka. I mean, and, and Kansas couldn't do anything else with it. So I mean, now it falls on Belton Gardner, and 
I mean, I, I like Felton Gardner, don't get me wrong, but he's not Puka Williams. Um, he, he's a solid player. I think he's a big 12 caliber player, but, um, you know, it, it's a step down. Um, and, if, and, you know, fingers crossed that nothing happens to Gardner, but if something were to happen to him, where does Kansas turn then? Um, so, I mean, it, it, running back got real thin real quick. Um, and uh, it, it just makes things that much harder for the offense. And, and uh, it's, just, it's just a blow to this team. I, I just I, From a football standpoint, I, you know, I'm sure from a locker room standpoint and everything else, he seems like a good kid and, and, and was popular and everything else. But, uh, um, yeah, this one hurts. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it really does. And, you know, I think for, for anyone that wants to say, like, why are we talking about football when he, you know, with all the stuff he's dealing with? It's because I don't really think there's a discussion to be had about the other personal side of it. So really the only discussion we can have is about football. And, you know, I, I would say he's probably the most talented running back that we've had at Kansas since John Cornish, who was very, very prolific for the Jayhawks, went on to a very successful CFL career. Um, you know, the one thing I always said about Cornish when I was watching him is that, he was a guy that could create his own offense. He could create his own opportunities, even if he didn't really have blocking in front of him. You know, it's very rare that you have a guy that can do that. And on a Kansas team that, you know, was having issues with their, uh, with the offensive line, you know, when he was here on and off, like it's, it's one of those, you don't get an opportunity a lot of times for a running back to be able to make those kind of plays. And Puka was able to do a lot of the same things. They did it completely different ways because Cornish was more of a, between the tackle, you know, runners who was, who was a or runner who was able to really kind of bounce off of guys and run guys over, whereas Puka gets out to the edge and really makes people miss out in space. So they did it completely different ways, but they had a lot of similarities in how they were able to create their own offense. I'm wondering in terms of what the team does moving on from here is if we, you know, kind of take a page from some of the other teams that have very prolific wide receivers who can kind of double into running back roles, especially since we're super thin at running back. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised to see like Andrew Parchment you know, being involved more in, in reverses or even maybe potentially lining up in the backfield at times. So like, I mean, I could see them doing some creative things to try to get some of their other playmakers involved um, to kind of shore up the, the issues that now that they're going to have with the depth of the running back. So I'll be interested to see what Brent Dearman is able to come up with. Um, hopefully it's a case where they can figure something out because, you know, it's, it's getting harder and harder for, for Kansas uh, fans to really kind of, um, watch what's going on week by week and not seeing any kind of improvement. We all knew that this was going to be a very difficult year. Um, you know, with, uh, with all the things going against them, really resetting the talent. You know, we had talked coming into the year that, you know, winning three games should probably be seen as a as a wild success for this team based off of everything that they were losing. And so, uh, you know, and then obviously before COVID happened, like that number gets revised down because they lose non-conference games that were probably their best opportunities to win so but I mean it's you know it's, it's one of those things it's hard to see them losing all of this talent um and and not think that this is going to affect them on the field and unfortunately it seems like it's really continuing to affect them on the recruiting trail because that gets us right into our next piece of news which actually was something that I was not aware of uh, I was busy with my day job today and completely missed the fact that this actually happened Kansas lost another uh, another recruit out of the recruiting class and I just had the name and I lost it again. So Mike, I will let you tell everybody who it was. One of the offensive linemen from the, from the recruiting class decided to decommit today, or, or I guess it was actually last night. Yeah, it was either last night or early this morning. I don't remember which it was Edgar Amaya. Uh, the, uh, I believe he's out of Alabama, three-star 
offensive yeah, lineman. Um, it was reported that he was picking up interest from, I think, Mississippi State, I want to say, and Colorado, and that seemed to spur his uh, his decommit, his verbal decommit. So, uh, yeah, we lost two uh, a couple weeks ago. I guess we lost Keon Coleman, the four-star kid, and you know, then we then Puka opted out, and now we're losing another from our recruiting class. So I'm, I'm I haven't checked. I'm guessing our recruiting class has probably slipped back into the 50s. It was still up in the 40s even after the Keon Coleman decommit. But, uh, yeah, things are starting to happen, and it's not trending in a good direction for Kansas. So, I, And I don't know <laughs> I, I don't know how you stop it, If you're even if you're less miles. Like, I, you've got to show something on the field. I mean, these, these kids have to be watching the games and thinking, why did I commit there again? You know, like they're, they're just getting their brains beat in week in and week out and – you know, if Kansas was, was losing games 38 to 35, maybe you feel like you could come in and make a difference. But, you know, when you're losing games 47 to 7, that's that's not fun for anybody, and that's really hard to recruit to. I can't even imagine. Yeah, and, and, and the thing that concerns me the most about this is that now they're starting to lose offensive linemen. Like, that's the biggest need for this team. They need to bring in fresh, fresh blood there, even if it's just for competition, to give them more guys in the room that they can coach up and try to find someone. If you're starting to lose offensive line recruits, it's going to make it a lot harder to to improve that offensive line unless you really think that you have the guys that you need for the next two or three years in-house right now as freshmen and sophomores. Um, like That's the only way that, that losing recruits on the offensive line is not going to be a gigantic issue for this team. So the hope is, yeah. obviously, that they can figure something out to keep these guys from jumping or they can replace them with you know guys that they can coach up, but it's hard to, to be optimistic about the possibility of that when they're still losing guys and they're still getting completely destroyed in a lot of these games. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's much more to say about that particular recruiting news other than I hope that we don't see more of this recruiting news in the next few weeks. I, I really would like to have the ability to, to come on an episode of this, you know, recapping with you that, that does not include us talking about losing another recruit. So fingers crossed, knock on wood, all that fun <laughs> stuff. Hopefully. Next week, we're not talking about any decommits, so. Yeah, yeah, well, I think it's going to well, be another another rough week. I mean, you know who we're playing next week, right? Oh, yeah, no, I know exactly who we're playing next week. You know, it's one of those <laughs> things, Kansas State seems to have been playing fairly, uh, I, I want to say, above where they should be playing right now. The question is, how long is it going to continue? I have no illusions that Kansas is going to be the team that's going to have them come back down to earth, but I can at least hope with my wildest dreams that something miraculous happens. And, you know, whether Kansas state still wins and they, and they pull out a close one um, or Kansas somehow pulls the upset. I'm just hoping beyond all hope that we get something positive and that Kansas state fans will stop crowing about how good their team is this year and how they're going to win the big 12 and all that crap. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a bloodbath, dude. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I'm not expecting it to be anything but a blood, but a bloodbath. But <laughs> I just know that, that the reckoning is coming for Kansas State sometime soon. The sooner, the better for me personally. So. <laughs> oh gosh, I hope you're right. But uh, yeah, welcome back to to Wildcat Country, by the way. Oh boy. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I'm still I'm in the Kansas City area, so I still barely hear from anybody about K State stuff. So. And luckily, I still work for a company that has absolutely no K-State fans. We have we have infinitely more KU fans at my workplace than we have K-State fans because 
there's two of us that are KU fans and absolutely no K-State fans, which is the way it should be oh, man, everywhere. That, so. That's the dream, man. That's the dream. I know. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that positive note, I think we're going to go ahead and end the podcast unless you had something else that you wanted to cover tonight. No, hey, I'm, I'm all for dreamers, man. Power to the dreamers. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, that will do it for us tonight. Mike, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please do, do go out wherever you get your podcasts, with Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. You can subscribe to us there so you get every episode as soon as it comes out. Um, you know, If you can give us a rating or review, five stars, nice comments would be absolutely great. If not, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys for your to, to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter. Right now, the best way to do that is on my personal account at andymitz12. Um, you can DM me there or you know just, just tweet at me either way. is just fine. Also, because we're on Anchor, you guys can leave us a voicemail. We've already had one from my uh, friend and cohort over at the 1012 Podcast um, that was on last week's episode. Uh, but if you leave us a voicemail by going to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message, you can get your message, your question, anything that you want onto the podcast. We are we are itching to to interact with you guys um, and and get that onto the podcast so that we can you know really kind of answer the questions that you guys want answered. So definitely go ahead and do that when you have an opportunity. But that will do it for, for us tonight, Mike. Thanks for joining me again. And thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.